You know, this is a, a pretty special moment right now that many of you don't yet quite know. You know, what's amazing about a, a church body, a church family, is that what we sometimes don't realize and the reason why the Bible says that we are to gather, it says do not forsake the joining together as many are in the habit of doing. The reason why we come into this house and praise His name is that something special happens when God's people come together. Because every one of you who are saved, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you bringing the Spirit of God with you. And when you're worshiping God, the Spirit of God moves. There's a a gentleman, Kyle, I'm going to embarrass you. Come on up here. You're going to get used to this. Come on, stand right next to me, man. So Kyle... Kyle just, uh, he's the newest member of, of Roll-On, and, uh, and so uh, he came in this last week and he says, well, guys, I don't know much about Jesus, I don't know if I know anything about Jesus, but I want to be a part of this. And, uh, and so what's happened is, is uh, as he was sitting here, the Spirit of God moves from all of you and it began to surround him and he says, I need to get saved right now. So... Kyle, welcome to the family, brother. That's what happens when God moves, right? So, thank you, Kyle. All right. We haven't even got into the sermon yet. That's what I'm talking about. So, uh, Skeeter... um, one of our deacons this last week, I, I, was, I ran into him and he, he said, you know, hey, I, I might not be there. And I said, okay. And, and I said, man, I'm really excited about this sermon. <laughs> so he's here today. So, but he had somewhere else to be, but I, I wasn't doing that to try to convict him. But he said, man, if I had a dollar for every time you said you're excited about this sermon. And I said, well, on the other hand, it's good that I'm not saying, well, last week was a good sermon and next week might be a good one. I'm not so sure about today. But um, I, I just, I love that. Every single week, God just continues to do something inside of me to make me, I just can't wait for Sunday to get here because I can't wait to share what God is teaching me. And one of the things that I tell all of our leaders over and over and over, you can't take anyone deeper than what you're willing to go with the Lord. So I I believe a devotional life is absolutely necessary for, oh, hey, honey, really, that was a squirrel moment. I forgot my phone that has all the slides on it. I'm sitting here going, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I come, thank you. Thank, thank, you, so, thank you so much, honey. <laughs> our, our daily walk with the Lord is so vitally important because the thing is, is this. God wants to meet with you every day. God wants to meet with you. I mean, here's the thing about this. The king of all kings wants to spend time on a personal relational level with you each and every day. He has something to teach you. He has something to encourage you. And sometimes he has even something to challenge you. And as we allow God to move in our lives and to change us and to work on us, amazing things happen. I truly believe that the daily walk that I have with the Lord is the reason why every single week I can't wait 
to talk about God's Word because what it did in my life this week. So we are studying the model prayer. Some of you know it as the Lord's Prayer. I say the model prayer because Jesus could never have prayed it because he would never have asked for forgiveness because he had no sin to be forgiven for. But he taught the disciples in response to them saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. So he says, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. That is what we are focusing on today. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today. So if you've missed a couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back on Facebook at our website. The sermons are there. You just have to get scroll through all of the camouflage pictures of me to get to that point, but they're there. Um, I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of them, go back and listen to them. God has been just showing me so much about prayer, and prayer life is usually where we struggle the most. Isn't that true? Prayer life is usually the, the part that we, you know, we say, well, I pray all the time as I'm driving. I'm talking about that personal moments with God where he's speaking to you. So many of us miss out on that. I don't want you to miss out on that. So, Give us today our daily bread. That's what we're going to focus on today. We're talking about providential prayer. We started off talking about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That was talking about a relational prayer. He wants a relationship with you. Then we talked about kingdom prayer, your kingdom come. When we start thinking about God and his kingdom, that changes my life. God, I'm not praying for my kingdom. I'm not praying for this. I'm praying for your kingdom to come invade my life. That's really what we should be praying all the time. God, you are the Father in heaven, and what I want more than anything else is that your kingdom, your heaven, would invade my earth. Invade. Take over. Uh, Today we're going to talk about providential prayer. Providential prayer is about God as being our provider. He provides what we need. But here's the deal. Everyone, every one of us has daily needs. You need food, you need water, you need shelter. These are considered physical and needs. They are needs. But this request is not seeking my wants, but my needs. And I think one of the areas where we really get confused on is the difference between a need and a want. God, give me my daily bread and some pie would be awesome. I mean, here's the thing is I wouldn't even be praying for my daily bread. I'd be like, Lord, I would like to pray for my daily steak. I mean, the bread is is fine. I could do without the bread. What I really want is meat. You know, I... Anybody out there with me that like, if you were, if you were going to be honest and you're like, I'm praying for a need, the need is not the bread, the need is the steak, right? But, but what God is trying to show us is that there's a different perspective that he has in the world and in life. What is the difference between a need and a want? And that's one of the areas that we struggle, especially for us who live in America, because guess what? We just kind of do whatever we want to do, don't we? Come on, don't be lying in church. I'll change the sermon real quick. So I want to share this illustration. I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, how we struggle with the difference between needs and wants. My father-in-law came and lived with us. Uh, He had a a, a time in his life where just life was not going well. Some of you can attest to that. The things were not going well. He lost his home. He lost his vehicle. He was homeless and vehicleless. He came and and he, he was living with us. Well, I was working three jobs at the time. Barbara was working one full-time job and taking care of baby Malachi. And he got a job. He needed a job. But he didn't have a vehicle. We didn't have an extra vehicle. 
he went and found an old used bike to start off with. He rode 11 miles to his job, 11 miles back from his job. He was a nurse. 12-hour shift, rode a bike in the dark, worked 12 hours, rode the bike back in the dark. He did this through a summer. He did this through the heat. He did this through the rain. He did this through the winter. There was a couple of times that we were able to, to, to make arrangements when it was really icy. He rode his bike in the snow, in the rain, in the sun, in the cold, because he needed to provide. Most of us today would say, well, I need a job, but I don't have a car, so I don't have a car, I can't have a job. Think about this. We, we get confused on the difference between needs and wants. He's like, okay, I just need wills. If I have to walk, I'll walk. He got an old bike before he ever bought a nice bike. I was wondering if the wheels were going to stay on. But he, he was just like, I, I got to do this. I got to provide. I got I to gotta pick my life up. Sometimes we sit there and we're like, no, I'm just going to do without a job. I'm going to do without a, if I can't have what I want, I'm not doing anything. That's how we act sometimes, isn't it? See, this prayer is about me asking for what I need, not for what I want. It's, God, I need this. And we don't know, if we don't know the difference between needs and wants, we're in a, uh, in a big trouble. We're in a lot of, a lot of need there. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, man, that was such a great illustration. So here's what I want to do. I want to I put out a caution to all of us before we start making the prayer of all of our demands. Beware of desiring wants over needs. I'm going to share with you a story in Numbers, found in Numbers 11. The children of Israel had complained a lot throughout their whole entire story of traveling from Egypt into the promised land, and this was such a time. They'd been eating manna from heaven. Manna would be like cornflakes without the frosted. They're not frosted cornflakes, they're just the, the cornflakes. Like if I'm going to eat cornflakes, they better be frosted. Right? I mean, come on now. I mean, nobody wants cornflakes. Everyone but Mike wants frosted flakes. Thanks, Mike, for your help in my illustration. So, manna is like these little flakes that came out overnight, and in the morning they would wake up and gather them of what they needed for the day. And they would eat it. It wasn't great. It wasn't tasty. It was what they needed. It got them through the day. They were alive. Well, after a while, they began to grumble because they're tired of eating non-frosted cornflakes. And they're tired of it. And they began to grumble and they began to complain. And they complained to Moses and they said, you know what, Moses? At least back in Egypt, we had fish and cucumbers. You remember, we had all the food we wanted. We can't stand this manna. We're so sick of it. They grumbled about the manna. We're tired of eating this manna. We're tired of cornflakes. I want some meat. And they began to say, Moses, get us some meat. Moses then got angry at them. He says, guys, who am I? There's 600,000, guys, there's 600,000 men in their army. That doesn't count the women, the children, or the elderly. 600,000, Moses said, what are you, why are you bringing your problems to me? I don't have enough food to feed you. There's not enough sheep in the flock that we have. There's not enough, if we, if we went into the camels and the donkeys, we still don't have enough to feed all of you. So Moses is distraught. The people are complaining. They're tired. They want to go back to Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had fish. 
So the Lord says, well, I'm going to have a meeting. He goes, bring 70 elders in here, and we're going to all sit down and have a little meeting. So he tells the elders, you go tell all the people. So the reason why he wanted 70 elders is those elders were to represent him in this matter, and they were to go out throughout the entire nation and tell them what God said. And he goes, tell them this, go consecrate yourself, for tomorrow you're going to eat meat. Right? I mean, that's a, like everybody would be like, yes, meat's on the menu, right? And he goes, well, yeah, don't just tell them that. Not only are you going to eat meat, not just for one day, not for two days, not for seven days, not for 10 days, but for 30 straight days, you're going to eat meat. At first, they're pretty excited until they continue to hear what the Lord says. He goes, you're going to eat so much meat, it's going to come out of your nostrils. It's going to make you sick to your stomach, and you're going to hate meat when, you're, when I'm done with you. I don't, I, I'd be like, Lord, I might test that theory on steak. I don't know that I could get tired of steak every single meal of every single day. I, I mean, you know. But the point was this. They were grumbling about him providing them what they needed because they were so focused on what they wanted. And it aroused the Lord's anger. And he's like, I kept you alive through the desert. I'm giving you bread. I'm giving you everything that you need for life. And here you sit complaining and saying that you despise the provision I'm providing. Have you ever thought that maybe you're complaining? If you've ever been somebody who complained about what your, your life was, that maybe you were actually being heard by God, that you're complaining about the provision that he's been providing. Why are you guys so quiet now? That's, see, I wore boots today. I was ready for my toes. I'm just saying, if you're wearing sandals, that's your own fault. So here's what's so amazing. So he tells them, he goes, I'm going to give you so much. I'm going to give you so much that it's coming out of your nostrils. I'm like, that's interesting. You know, we're talking about, I'm going to give you so much meat, you're going to be throwing up. I'm going to give you so much, right? Until it comes out of your, he goes, until it becomes loathsome for you because you've despised the Lord who is among you and you wept about why did we ever leave Egypt. They forgot that they cried for hundreds of years. God get us out of this place. God gets them out of the place. And now they're complaining about the place that they're in. Are we like that at all? I mean think about this. Like a lot of times we're like we get to see. They're, they're like man they were dumb. But we kind of do the same thing. So Moses, as the Lord says, they're going to eat for a whole month, Moses. In verse, this is Numbers chapter 11, verse 21 and 22. Moses counters, right? He's like, oh, Lord, hold on. You know, time out, a little sidebar conversation, God. You know, I don't know if you realize how many people there are. How am I going to come up with that much meat? Moses even goes on, he goes, if I slaughtered every animal that we have, do we even have enough to do this? Then he even goes in further and he goes, Lord, is there even enough fish in the sea to feed all of these people for a month? Now listen to this. So Moses is concerned, he goes, great, I'm the leader. God is making some outlandish, you're going to eat meat for 30 straight days. And Moses is all of a sudden doing the inventory in his head going, oh, we have like 500,000 sheep. That's not, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? Lord, how are we going to do this? You know, and he's like, are you sure you're, and so this is how the Lord even responds to him after he says, is there even enough fish in the sea? The Lord then says, has my arm shortened? Right? Come on now. I mean, here's, Moses is like, God, we don't have enough. You say that we're going to eat for a whole month. We don't have enough. And God's like, is my arm, has it gotten shorter? 
Have I gotten weaker? Am I not able to do what I say I can do? I mean, think about it. How many times we say, God, we, 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 we look at our own inventory and think that God is limited to what we have. So he says, has my arm shortened? Now you, Moses, <laughs> you shall see whether I am able to do what I say I can do. <laughs> Woo, come on, right? That's the God we worship. You see, complaining, guys, the why I'm telling you to be aware of this, complaining comes from dissatisfaction in your life. See, this, this, this little phrase, give me today my daily bread, is just as much about your contentment than it is about anything else. But the problem with us who live in America, we're so used to having what we want when we want it, we don't know what satisfaction looks like anymore. If I don't have what I want in my life, I'm dissatisfied with my life. Complaining comes from a heart of dissatisfaction. God, I'm not satisfied. Discontentment does not come from a lack of need. It comes from not being satisfied because I don't have what I want. If I'm content, I'm just happy with being alive. If I'm content, God, I'm just happy that you gave me cornflakes today. Thank you, Jesus. But what happens is we get so discontent because we're dissatisfied is I don't have meat on this menu. I don't have what I want. So now I'm dissatisfied and I'm going to begin to complain. So uh, I was laughing when I wrote this next sentence in the sermon. My Barbara was like, what are you laughing about? And I said, so right after I tell this whole story, now I'm going to say, now what do you want to ask for? <laughs> you know, like... What need do you have to pray about? Because the whole goal of this is this, is that do I, like when I'm going to God, is this what I need or am I complaining about what I don't, I don't have what I don't want? You know, like, God, am I, am, I, am I really coming to you with God, these are my needs in my life or am I just complaining about all the things that I don't have that I want to have? I want us to check our prayer life is what I want us to do. I want us to check our, our hearts. So the purpose of providential prayer is this, one thing. To realize that God is the source of our provision. God is the one true source. He's the source of all things. God is the source of life. Nothing exists without Him. God is the source. So listen to this. If, if, if God is the source, so listen to me. If God is the source, then everything else is just a resource. And I emphasize the word just. Just a resource. The bank you bank out is just a resource. The money in that bank, no matter how little it is, is just a resource. Your job is just a resource. Even friends are just a resource. They're not the source of provision. They're a resource of the provider. The moment we think our resource becomes our source, you have entered into idolatry. Let me show you how easy that is. We stop seeking the kingdom of God first. We stop seeing God as the source of my money. We start seeing the job as the source of my money. I've entered into idolatry because God is no longer my source. Now, come on, that happens to us easily and often. 
This is a trap that the devil sets for us. He says, okay, here's what I want to do. I want you to stop focusing and seeking God first. I want you to really put your faith in your job because your job's giving you the money. No, who gave you the job? Who gave you the ability to get that job? You see, when the moment your resource becomes the source of what you're chasing, you are entered into idolatry. You realize when you read through the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, how many times God speaks against idolatry and how easily we enter into it. So as long as God remains the one true source in your life, no resource can control you. Can't control your actions, your decisions, or your feelings. Man's problem, though, (laughs) we get kind of comfortable in our lives. We get used to God's provision, right? I mean, think about this. How often do we just kind of get used to God providing? We get used to it, and then what happens is over time we begin to start focusing on the provision, right? That we come to just expect it and stop appreciating it, and sometimes we even stop thanking God for it. The moment we stop thanking God for it, appreciating the provision in our life, even if it's not what we want, God, thank you for the cornflakes today. Mike thanks God every day for the cornflakes. God, thank you for this. But when we start just getting into a habit of like, well, it just it, the cornflakes are always here, so we stop being thankful for it. When we stop being thankful for it, we stop appreciating it. When we stop appreciating it, it's because we've gotten so comfortable. Now I'm wanting to see all the things that I don't have that I wished I had. When we forget about the provider... It's because we're so focused on the provision. It puts our prayer life in reverse. So here's what I mean. When we're looking at this model prayer, when I start focusing on the provision rather than the provider, I don't go to God and say, My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What I do is I say, God, today I need. God, today, will you do this? And what we do is our, our prayer life begins to be reversed. Instead of focusing on God first, we focus on the things that we think we need first. Now we're really quiet because we all do that, don't we? We have a habit of getting into our prayer life and jumping straight to the point. God, I don't really have time for pleasantries. You're great. You're awesome. You already know that. I don't need to tell you. You already think of all the things that are rolling through my head, but here's what I need. I mean, that's kind of what we do. God, I need you to do this. God, I need you. I need you. I need you. And yes, we need him every day, but a lot of times we get our prayers all reversed. We get it backwards. We start with, God, here's all of my demands. Here's my long list. Here's all the things that I want you to do. And yes, God, will put for your glory in there so it sounds better. But we're so focused on what we want God to provide, Right? God, I want you to provide. God, I want you to provide. God, I want you. We miss out on focusing on the provider. Check this out. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10. It says, when we have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord. How simple is that? When you've eaten 
and you're satisfied. That satisfaction is contentment. When you've eaten your cornflakes and you're satisfied, you praise the Lord. You praise the Lord, your God, for the good land he's given you. Be careful. Listen to this. He's cautioning them. Be careful you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and when you're satisfied, when you build your houses, uh, uh, fine houses, settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large, your silver, your gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord. Lord your God. You see, there's such an importance of praising God as our provider, at looking at God and recognizing everything He's ever given you. In fact, probably the majority of your talking and prayer should probably come in the form of thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for this, 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 this. And I mean, if you really started thinking about it and we got our selfish eyes out of the way and all of our, our greed out of the way, we could probably sit down and have five or six pages full of notes of all the things that we are thankful for or should be thankful for. He says, man, you need to be careful that you don't forget the Lord. Right? Don't you forget the Lord because if you do, then everything begins to fall apart again. It's amazing how often I see people, they'll, they'll, they'll like, man, I, I need this and this and this and this. God gives it to them. They take off. You never see them again until they lose that job or they lose that thing. And then all of a sudden their life falls all the way apart and then they show back up. And it's a bad cycle to get into. That's the cycle he's talking about here in Deuteronomy. Be careful to not forget the Lord. So I want to ask a question. So why do we struggle so much in this area of prayer? Why do we struggle especially in this point of what we're praying for? God, I need this. I need that. So I'm going to give you three things today that are actually very relevant to your life of why we struggle in our prayer when we're praying for our daily need. You guys ready? All right, I'm even going to letter them and number them for you first, right? So then you can write a number in there and circle it in your notes. Makes it really super easy for you. So why do I struggle so much in this area of praying for a daily need? First, we already have tomorrow's food today. When you start thinking about the context of this passage, it was 2,000 years ago. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have freezers. In fact, I have, just, just, just throwing my personal stuff out there, I have three freezers. We kill about 10 deer a year because it feeds us for a whole year. So I have almost an entire year's worth of meat for my family. So I'm not needing to pray for my daily meat. I already have it. So that's a problem, though, because what happens is we're so get it, we, 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 we get ourselves to a point, and I'm not saying to have, you know, freezer meat is not a bad thing, but what happens is some, because of our lifestyle in today's world, we kind of miss out on the point of this prayer because it doesn't relate to us. I want to show you how it does, but so often we look at this daily food. What are you talking about? Daily bread. I got bags of bread in the freezer. 
So I don't need a daily bread. I already have it. See, in that culture, each and every day, each and every day, they had to start that day off. They had to start that day off making their daily bread. We already have it. So sometimes when we enter into that time of prayer, it doesn't make sense to us, but you still have daily needs. But because of how it's phrased, it sometimes doesn't make sense to us. Secondly, we have turned necessity into entertainment. We're going to still be friends after this one, right? Are we sure? We promise? Promise we're going to still be friends. Okay. Because we, we, we're usually okay if the preacher preaches on a sin that we're not struggling with. But when we start talking about things that we struggle with, we sometimes don't like it. We've turned food into our entertainment. Fun food, fast food, gourmet food, theater food. That's kind of fun. Dinner and a show. We've turned food into this thing that we always have. We, you know, we have candy. We have all different kinds. Of, I mean, it's everywhere. We literally have food everywhere. Everywhere. Our food has such a hold on us that it's become a thing that we worship. People like to say that drugs and alcohol are the strongest addiction in the world. That is so false. Sugar is the greatest addictive substance in the world. Sugar. Test it. I dare you. Withdraw all sugar from your diet for an entire week and your body will scream at you. It will yell, scream, kick a fit, give you a headache. Cut out all the caffeine if you're drinking soda. The moment you stop drinking soda, just stop drinking coffee, you stop, and I'm like, you could talk about the soda, don't talk about the coffee, right? I know, I know. Here's the deal, though. You want to test it and see if it doesn't have a hold on you, take it out. You see, the world that we live in is so focused and centered on food, it's become an idol. Now, I want to share a verse with you in just a minute, but, but I, want you, I want you to, man, I, you know, when we start thinking about sugar, we start thinking about fast food, we, we, how we have to eat out, how we have to do this, and we've turned this food into this thing that we always have to have. And we always have to have it in a certain way. I don't want bread. I want my food, my way, right away. Right? My way, right away. Burger King, right? You've heard that before. My way, right away. Here's the thing is that when we, we live in this world where we center our lives around food. When the moment we center our lives around food and food becomes the centerpiece of our life, that is your idol. In fact, Paul writes in Philippians 3.19, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach. Woo! Meddling now. Their destiny is destruction. That means that that's the destiny for those who's allowed their stomach to become their God. 
That's tough, isn't it? Don't want to. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to even go another step further. <laughs> Mike, you're laughing about this. Mike and I have done a lot of talking about your body being a temple, right? What we're putting into our body. The food that we eat. Well, one of the things is, is that you, you may be sitting here saying, I have complete control over my food. I would be really tempted right now to ask how many of you actually think that you have control over your stomach, but I don't want to do that. It's a rhetorical question. I still want you to answer it in your head. But if you want to test that theory, fast. Fast for 24 hours. I've went longer just by forgetting to eat because I've been so busy. Anybody ever missed several meals because they were so busy and they forgot to eat? Now that, you just forgot about it and your body didn't even care. The moment that you make a statement out loud, I'm going to fast for 24 hours, I'm only going to drink water for 24 hours, you'll be one hour past the lunchtime and your body's like, we're dying! you got to eat something, you're starving to death! Because you don't understand how big of a, of a hold your stomach has on you. So you want to test it? Fast for 24 hours, drink water. Test it test it. You know, in the Old Testament, the Jews would fast one day every week. And I've talked to a lot of people that are like, man, I got a big decision. Well, you know, you should fast. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. We don't want to fast because we know that we're not in control of our own bodies anymore. When you're not in control, then your stomach is your source and not God. I know it's hard, but that's where we, that's the world that we're living in. Third one, this is good. We're going to love this one. I heard some giggles there. The third reason why we struggle with this part of prayer is because we're eating out of the devil's hand. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you what I mean by it. Good question. I'm, gonna, I'm glad that you asked. Don't think for a second that the devil can't offer you provision. Don't think for one moment that the devil doesn't want to give you stuff. He wants to give you all kinds of stuff. The devil wants to give you, he wants to give you a job. Oh, the devil definitely wants to give you a job. I can't tell you how many times I've sat and prayed with somebody, I need a job, okay, let's pray for a job. And they say, I got a job, pastor. I'm like, great, yeah, but I won't be there on Sundays anymore. I'm pretty sure that God didn't give you that job. The moment that that job takes you out of the house of God, it wasn't from him. God doesn't want you to be out of his house. He wants you to be in his house. So why would God have given you that job? My wife, the greatest example in this area, we moved to Columbia. We were planting a church. I was working three jobs. She was working a job, or hadn't started working a job, but I was trying to make ends meet, and she hadn't found the job yet, and she was, she was, but she was getting, everybody wanted to hire her, but they all was like, yeah, you'll have to work every other Sunday, and she's like, yeah, no. Nope. They're like, well, we can't hire you. Okay. She go to the next place, hairstyles, every place. You got to work a Sunday, one Sunday a month. No, I'm not even doing that. I am not missing out on being in the house of the Lord. I'm like, Barbara, maybe one, maybe is there a little compromise? We're kind of, the cornflakes are getting a little low right now, you know? Like, I'm not wrestling anymore. I'm not trying to cut weight anymore. Ice chips are just not going to do it anymore. And she's like, I'm not doing this. I am not. God will provide. And I'm telling you, 
when the cornflakes were running on the last bowl of cornflakes and we had to go to almond milk because, no, I'm just kidding, almond milk's terrible. I don't, <laughs> sorry if you drink almond milk. Milk was designed to come from an animal. I'm just saying. Almond milk. All right, sorry. Anyways, she got that job, and it was the best job she could have ever had. And they weren't even open on the weekend. But see, the thing was is that she says, no, I'm going to make sure that God is the one giving me this job. I'm waiting for him. The devil will offer you all kinds of jobs. He'll offer you all kinds of food. He'll offer you all kinds of homes and houses. And you know one of those favorite things to do is called a relocation program. You see, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. I know. So God has a plan for your love. The de- and so the guy's like, I want you right here. I want to surround you with the neighbors. I want to surround you with this. I want you to witness. I want you to, to shine my light. I've got a plan for you. I'm putting you exactly where I want. And the devil's like, I'll put you anywhere in the world you want to be but that place. You see, the devil is okay for you to live anywhere in the world but where God wants you to live. You see, the problem is is so many times we're not actually hearing from the Lord. We have our own desires, our own wants. We have not even figured out what our needs are. And we're saying, God, I want you to do something. The devil's like, I'll do something. Oh, you want a house? I'll get you a house. I'll get you in so much debt that you can't afford that house. You'll have to work five jobs just to have that house. Oh, you want a new car? Yes, I'll get you a new car. I'll give you a job. I'll give you fame. I'll give you success. I'll, do, I'll give you anything that takes you away from the kingdom of God. That's what the devil wants to do. And so many of us have fallen into that trap so many times in our lives. And many of us sitting in this room right now and listening online are realizing right now that we've done it a hundred times over. We ate out of the devil's hand. Not that that was the plan. We didn't set out to do it. He's sneaky. In fact, the Bible says that he can, per, he can put himself as an angel of light. He'll offer you a spouse. Sometimes we say, I, I, I want, I want, I want, I want. And the devil's like, I'll give you. I'll give you whatever you want. I don't believe in like a one, like there's only a one, and if you married not that one individual in all of the universe, you got it wrong. But I do believe that there are wrong people we shouldn't marry. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked. I do believe that. And I believe the devil loves getting people to get married that are unequally yoked. And that is not just about being believers. Sometimes you just don't mesh well have you ever met two people that were were dating or you know and you're just like oh that is a train wreck waiting to happen like every day right the devil loves to put unequally yoked people together the devil loves messing with God's plan so here's what I want you to do I want you to consider the source of provision before you partake of that provision Take your time and say, God, is this from you or is this from the enemy? And if you don't have an answer, then wait. I would far rather miss out on something than to be eaten out of the devil's hand. 
So, in conclusion, as we're talking about these reasons of why we kind of struggle in this, this type of prayer, I want us to answer another question. What is the purpose of this daily bread? What is the purpose? Why did Jesus put this into this prayer? Because it's still relevant to us. What's the purpose of saying, God, give me today this daily bread? So I needed you to understand what the original purpose in daily bread is. Food. Energy for the body. See, a lot of times when we start thinking about food, daily bread, I forget that I do need daily food consumption every single day. One of the things that I pray often when I'm praying over our, our meal is, God, give this food to the nourishments of our bodies and our bodies to your service. You see, God, give me this energy from this food so that I can be energetic and I can have the energy to fulfill what you want me to fulfill in your kingdom. See, what's so amazing is even when we're praying about our needs, it's still about God's kingdom. Isn't it amazing how we never get away from the first several things that we're talking about in the prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Well, why do I need the bread? Why do I need this daily bread? So that I can have energy, so that I can be all about his kingdom. God, I still want your kingdom. My, 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 my whole purpose in this prayer, God, is I want your kingdom to come. Your kingdom to come. Your kingdom to come. So God, give me the energy out of this daily bread so that I can do something for your kingdom. Romans 9, 17. This was, this was God speaking to Pharaoh. <laughs> For this very purpose I raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name might be declared in all the earth. Pharaoh was on the wrong side of that. Pharaoh hardened his heart and hardened his heart, and Pharaoh had, had, had denied what God requested. God said, let my people go. No. God, let my people, you know, Pharaoh, let my people go. No, no, no. All right, I'm going to start sending a bunch of plagues and I'm going to rock your world. Not only am I going to rock your world, but then you're going to keep rejecting me, and then there's going to be a point where you send your entire army, and I'm going to destroy all of you. I'm just going to destroy your entire army. I'm going to put you at the bottom of the sea. So that my name... So here's the deal. You can decide which side of that you want to be on. You can be on the humble, submit, and obey side of it, where God uses you to demonstrate His power for his great name, or you can rebel against him, and his name is still going to be great, his power is still going to be displayed, but you're just going to be on the wrong receiving end of that. See, everything still comes down to this one thing, it's about his kingdom. His kingdom. My prayers should be saturated and focused and, 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 and zeroed in on his kingdom coming. Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, for we are God's handiwork. Uh, the King James says that you are his workmanship, created 
in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you. So here's the deal is I'm praying, God, I, just give me what I need. And God, as you give me what I need today, may I have the energy and the mind capacity and the understanding and the vision to do what you have set out for me to do. You see, we get so focused on our jobs. We get so focused on our money. We get so focused on our, on our career path that we forget that we're here for the kingdom of God. You're not taking your job to heaven. It's not going to be there. You're not taking your money. You're not taking your car. The only thing you get to take with you is all the people you influenced along the way. That's it. So if you cannot get focused on what that daily bread is for, then we're going to miss it. God has prepared you before the first tree was ever even thought of. He already knew you, and he already had a plan for your life. He knew when you were going to be born and the purpose that he had for you. But remember, you still have a choice in that. You still have a say. You can say, God, I don't care what your purpose for my life is. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Because there's man's free will involved in this. The second and last thing I'm going to say about the purpose is the purpose of this prayer is to trust the Lord. That's hard. Right? The purpose of asking for my daily, God, give me what I need today. Do you know the hardest part about that prayer is only focusing on today? The hardest part of that is, God, just give me what I need today. You know what? When I wake up, I pretty much already have what I need for the day. Have you guys noticed that? That most of the time when you wake up, you're breathing. Even if I don't have any food in the fridge or any of the three freezers that we have, I still am going to make it through the day. Lord, thank you, I'm going to fast today. Not by choice, but by your providence. See, it's so hard to stay focused on today because we get so worried about what's not even here yet. In, in, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. It has enough worries in itself. Don't worry about then. You're living in the now. Quit worrying about what's ahead. Focus on today. Proverbs 3, this is the verse that we're going to end with today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, this prayer, the disciples were like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach me how to pray. And he goes, okay, just ask for your daily bread. Not your daily quail, your, your meat, your steak. You ask for your cornflakes. <sighs> ask for that. And just for the today. Not tomorrow's today. Just ask for today. God, what do I need today? So what I want you to do is when you start thinking about your prayer life and we say, okay, God wants a relationship. I'm going to go to my Father who lives in heaven. I'm going to respect his name. I'm going to seek his kingdom. I'm going to seek out his will for my life. And I'm just going to start asking for what I need today. What do I need today? You know what I need more than anything? His spirit. 
I need that love in my life. I need that joy in my life. I need that peace that, that, that surpasses understanding. I need, I need, God, help me to be kind today. God, I need to be kind today. I need to be gentle today. God, I want to be good today. When we start focusing on the things that we really need and not all the things that we want, it changes our direction and focus of prayer. God, here's what I need. I need you. That's what I need. God, I need you. And I need you to do whatever you want to do in me. Just get me out of the way. God, while I'm at work, I want to represent you. God, help me. I need to hold my tongue today. Anybody need a prayer, a special prayer? Like, God, hold my tongue while I'm at work. Mine's more like not at work because I do a pretty good job holding it around here. It's when I'm around my kids, God, grab my tongue. Hold it down. Zip tie my lips shut today. Or sometimes when I'm around your kids. Same thing. Lord, help me to remember I'm a pastor at this moment. Okay. So guys, I want us to bow our heads. I want you to put a little bit of thought this moment. As we're going to enter into a little bit of time of prayer as we begin to draw our service to an end. This is just a launching pad for this week's prayer. But I want you to think about what do you really need. What is the, the thing that you need that you think is the most important? That's a good way of testing your prayer life. It's a good way of actually testing the things that I'm asking for is it really focused on God's kingdom? Is it focused on my kingdom? Is it focused on things that are really important? Or is it focused on things that don't really hold a lot of importance? So we're just going to open up this time at the altar. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to lay down. Maybe you've been walking around with a complaining spirit and not being very thankful for the things that God has provided. Maybe you're finding your life at a place of discontentment that you're not satisfied with the lot and where you are. Maybe you've confused the difference between what you actually need and the things that you want. Maybe today is that day that you just need to recommit your life back to the Lord. God, I want my prayer life to get back to where I'm just about you. God, I need you. God, all the things that I thought I needed, I don't need, but what I need is I need you. I need your spirit. I need you to guide me. Lord, your word says to trust you with all my heart. Lean not on my own understanding. God, I'm tired of relying on myself. I'm tired of me acting like I'm the true source of my own life. God, I need to put you back where you are. You're the Father. You're living in heaven. I'm here on earth. I need you to be my true source. 
God, I'm sorry that I've put idols before you. God, I'm sorry that I've turned resources into my primary sources. God, I need to change. 